Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Thank you, man. Good job. So let me tell, me, tell you something that I've probably told you before, but maybe it's even more important on this Thanksgiving weekend. Whether you're watching online or joining us in person today, man, I'm really thankful for you. I'm really thankful that we get to come together and, and seek hope, help, and home together, weekly. I do not take it for granted, and I never will. It's a big day today, it's Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday. And for that reason, we're gonna take a one-week break on our study through the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We'll be back at it next week, and I should make a quick note. Next week, Sunday, we are gonna be talking about probably the most controversial passage in the entire Bible. If you wanna do some pre-reading, you can do so, and you will know exactly what I mean when you read the second half of 1 Timothy chapter two. But you know what I want to show you next week is that it shouldn't be controversial at all. It should be actually incredibly inspiring, empowering, and encouraging. But make a note to make sure that you are here, either online or in person, next week. But for this week, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about the most famous baptism in all of human history. Because I thought that if we looked at the historical record of the baptism of Jesus, that it would make our celebration here even more profound today. So let's jump into the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, starting at verse 13. It says this, At that time Jesus arrived from Galilee and came to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. But John tried to make him change his mind. I ought to be baptized by you, John said, and yet you have come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for in this way we shall do all that God requires. So John agreed. John the Baptist is not feeling it. He wants no part in baptizing Jesus, and you can see why. He knows exactly who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior, and the baptism that John was performing at the Jordan River was a baptism of repentance. Think about that for a second. What's repentance? Repentance is turning away from a life of sin. John the Baptist knew that Jesus was sinless and he was perfect. And here Jesus comes walking up and John's like, I got an idea. I got it. Here's what we'll do. You baptize me. That'd be amazing. And Jesus says, no. You're actually going to baptize me today, John, because God requires that we do this. What an interesting concept. God requires that perfect, sinless Jesus do perform a baptism of Repentance. And the question that I want to answer today is why? Why would God require a baptism of repentance from Jesus? I think there's two reasons, and here's the first to set an example. To set an example. See, when Jesus stepped into human history, he came to be fully God, and that's so important, you know? Like, if you want to understand the nature and the character and the person of God, you just need to learn about Jesus. And if you really want to come to an understanding of the kindness and the love and the mercy and the grace of God, you just need to learn about the life and the teachings and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
But Jesus came not only as fully God, but also as fully man. He came to set an example for you and for me. Which is really amazing because Jesus really knew us. Right? They say that everybody has a primary learning style. Have you heard that? That everybody has a primary learning style. Back in the day, they said there were three. They said the first one was an auditory learner. An auditory learner is someone who learns by listening. Okay? They said the second learning style is a visual learner. Visual learners learn by watching. And then the third learning style was a uh, tactile learning style, which is those people learn by doing. Now, over the last few years, they've said that there's a couple more learning styles out there. One that has emerged is a verbal learning style, which I find so funny. Some people learn best by talking. Maybe you know someone like this. They are a verbal processor. They think out loud. They're really kind of tricky at first when you first get to know them because they'll say something like this. You'll be hanging out with them one day and they'll go, you know what? <sighs> I'm just, I'm going to sell my house and move to Tuck Tuck Tuck. Okay, and you see him three months later, and you're like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? I thought you were selling your house and moving to town. Oh, no, 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 I was just throwing it out there, you know, verbally processing. Some people are verbal learners. Some people are communal learners. They learn best in, in a group environment, discussions, group research. And others are uh, solitary learners. They learn best when you just give them a question or a challenge or a topic and just leave them alone. But here's what's amazing. No matter what your primary learning style is, the most powerful teacher in all of human history is the power of example. See, Jesus knew that about you, and he knew that about me. The power of example. We see it all around us every day. You see it in parenting, right? Like kids who are raised by generous parents are often generous. Kids who are raised by kind parents are often kind. Kids who are raised by patient parents are often patient. Kids who are raised by wise parents are often wise. It's good news and it's bad news. Like the good news is they follow in my footsteps. The bad news is they follow in my footsteps, right? Like teaching or coaching, <laughs> teaching, coaching, and parenting would be a lot easier if you could just say this. Hey, I got an idea. Do as I say, not as I do. Doesn't work. There's only one problem with do as I say, not as I do. It doesn't work. That's the only problem. And the reason is, to put it really simply, is that your example speaks so loudly that it drowns out any instructions that you would give to the contrary. It's also tough from the kid's vantage point. You get lots of people who grow up and they say, you know what, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing about me. I am never going to be anything like my Mom, never. I'm never going to be anything like my dad. I'm never going to be anything like my parents. And then they reach a certain age, and all of a sudden they look around and they realize, I am heartbreakingly similar to the very people that I did not want to be like. Why? Power of example. And that's the reason that if you want to break generational patterns in your life, man, it takes a ton of prayer, a ton of counseling, and a ton of perseverance. Power of example. I saw it play out in teaching and coaching also. This, this might come as kind of a shock to you, but not every teacher in the world is a really, really hard worker. Okay, now if you're an auditory learner, 
you heard that and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But maybe you're not an auditory learner. Maybe you're a visual learner. Let me help you, okay? If you're a visual learner, here's what you need to do. Go to any school and hang out at the staff parking lot right around the time the final bell goes at the end of the day, okay? Within 15 minutes, you'll see several teachers jump in their car and squeal out of the lot. Now, by and large, this isn't always true, but by and large, that is not a teacher who is just really grinding out their lesson plan for the next day. You know, really agonizing. How can I really, you know, reach every student with every learning style? Okay, but maybe you're not an auditory learner or a visual learner. You are a tactile learner. Okay. I need you to think back. What is it, three or four years now since you were in high school? Okay, so four years back when you were in high school. <clears throat> Let's just pretend. Okay, so there's something weird that happened to you in high school. You noticed, and maybe you didn't even really notice consciously, but there was something about certain classes that you actually wanted to work hard in that class. And then there are other classes that you didn't really want to work hard. You say, well, I never worked hard. I know, but there were some that you were tempted. You were tempted to work hard in some classes. Why? Here's why. You didn't even know this. You didn't even know it. The teachers who taught the classes that you really wanted to work hard in, they were hard workers. And they set an example that you didn't even know, but something about them made you want to work hard in their class. It's funny because when I was teaching, I would have teachers come up to me, some of the ones that were squealing under the lot at like 3.15, and they would come to me and say, man, there's something with this generation. They're just not hard workers. And I would think to myself, that's really weird. Because I find all the students in my class have incredible work ethic. Why? The power of example. Same is true of coaching. I coached volleyball and basketball. And I'm okay at both of those, but I'm not great. And I would agonize over that a lot. Think to myself, like, how am I supposed to like, coach these guys when they're better than I am? I coached girls volleyball. And within a couple of years, they were good. Like, I mean, good, good. Like, way, way, way better than me. Like, hit the ball like 10 times harder than I could hit it. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to set an example? And then I st started coaching guys basketball, and we had some elite players way better than I could ever have dreamed of being. And I thought to myself, how am I supposed to set an example? How am I supposed to like coach these teams? And it hit me one day. I called the team in for a meeting, and, and, and after this meeting, I had the same meeting with every team that I ever coached, and it went something like this. Hey, you guys are way better at me than this sport, which is a really good thing because we'd be in massive trouble if you weren't. But I got a deal. I'm gonna make you a deal. If you work as hard, at playing this sport as I work at coaching it, at providing you gym time, instruction, uh, competition, and recruiting opportunities, I guarantee you, if you work at hard, as hard at your sport as I work in coaching you, we will be successful. And here's what's amazing. We were incredibly successful. And, and, and almost every single game I ever coached. I would have people come walk up to me after the game, people who I did not know, and they would say, I gotta just tell you something about your team. And what they wouldn't say is, you had the best looking team in BC. They certainly wouldn't say, you had the best looking coach team in BC. They'd never ever once said that, unfortunately. They never said, man, you, 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 you guys are technically more proficient than any team I've ever seen. Over and over and over and over again, what would they say? It's the hardest working team that I've ever seen in my life. Why? It's the power of 
example. See, when Jesus stepped into human history, he came to reach every teaching style. But you know that he would not neglect the most powerful teacher in all of history, and that is the power of example. So why did Jesus get baptized? Number one, Jesus got baptized to set an example for you and for me. So number one, Jesus got baptized to set an example. Number two, Jesus got baptized to practice repentance. So it seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Jesus got baptized to practice repentance. Except Jesus is perfect, and Jesus is sinless, so he didn't have to repent. Oh yeah, he wasn't repenting for him. He was repenting for you. You understand that, right? Like when Jesus got baptized, it was a foreshadowing of what he would do one day. He died on the cross, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. Why? To repent for your sins and for my sins, to wash us clean. And that's why since Jesus, there's no such thing anymore as a baptism of repentance. Because once you begin following Jesus, you no longer have anything to repent of. Let me say that again. Once you begin following Jesus, you no longer have anything to repent of. Romans 10 verse 9 says it this way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You've already been washed clean. That's it. So then why would we get baptized? If if Jesus already got baptized as a baptism of repentance, what's our baptism all about? Our baptism, the baptism that we're going to celebrate today, is not a baptism of repentance. It's actually a baptism of confession. It's incredibly powerful. We talked a little bit about this last week. It's the idea of you go into the water and you say, God, I need you. I need you to wash me clean and I also need you to lift me up. It's an incredible, incredibly powerful confession. And it's also so humble and so challenging because here's the truth. To get baptized, I have to come to a point in my life when I say, God, I actually need you. Well, that's amazing. And so difficult on some levels, isn't it? Because the truth is, there's some days I don't feel like I need anybody. I'm on a roll. I'm doing great. I'm winning at everything I do. But then there's some days that I don't feel that way. Kind of like the last two years, those kind of some days, right? When I don't feel like I'm winning at everything I do, when I, I feel like I'm in a little bit over my head. And and that's why when we get baptized as a baptism of confession, listen, we say, God, I need you on my bad days. And guess what? I'm also confessing that I really, really need you on my good days too. It's hard to do because there's parts of my life where I feel really strong and really on top of things. And there's other parts that I don't feel really strong and really on top of things. But when we get baptized, As a baptism of confession, we come to this point where we say, God, I really, really need you in those parts of my life where I'm feeling weak, and I really, really need you in the parts of my life that I'm already feeling strong. Like, I just need you, right? Like, God, God, I need you. I need you to wash me clean, but I also need you to help me live a powerful life because here's the thing. Romans 10, 9, confess with the mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, right? You begin following Jesus, and then one day you step into eternity. You understand? The minute that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, your eternity is secure. 
You're going to heaven. But there's this gap, right? There's this gap between the moment that I begin following Jesus and the moment I step into eternity. What's that gap called? Any ideas? It's called your life. Yeah, that's what it's called. And now you got a choice. Now you got a choice. What kind of life do you want to live? I would suggest that a substantial problem in the North American church over the last 20 years have been too many followers of Jesus Christ that have chosen to live a pathetic rather than a powerful life. That's what baptism is about. That's what a real baptism of confession is about. So God, I, I, I want to I be brought to a place in my life, I want to get to a place in my life, God, where I experience your love to such a degree that I can actually share that love with other people. In October of 2021, when everybody's mad and everybody's yelling and everybody's angry and everybody's picked sides, I want to experience your love to such a degree that I'm actually known for my love. I'm actually known for what I'm for, not what I'm against. Imagine that. God, I want to come to a point in my life where I experience your freedom to such a degree that I not only have it for me, but I'm, a, I'm able to help other people find freedom. God, I want to come to a place in my life where I not only experience my purpose, but I'm able to help others find their purpose too. That's the baptism we do now. A baptism of confession that says, there's a gap, God. There's a gap. There's a gap between this moment when I started following you and this moment when I stepped into eternity, and you had better believe one thing. I want that gap to mean something. The passage continues. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. Then heaven was opened to him. Listen to this. And he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and lighting on him. Then a voice said from heaven, This is my own dear Son, with whom I am pleased. That's God, the Heavenly Father, saying to Jesus, this is my own dear son. With him I am pleased. Can you imagine hearing that? Oh, there's something you should know, by the way. Jesus got baptized before he had ever preached a sermon. Jesus got baptized before he had ever called a single disciple. Jesus got baptized before he had performed a single miracle. And in that moment, his heavenly father looked at him and said this, That's my own dear son. I'm pleased. Before he preached a single sermon, before he performed a single miracle, before he called a single disciple, God said, that's my boy. I'm pleased. Can you imagine hearing that? I hope so. Because I felt like God sent me here today with a message for you. You are God's dear child. You are God's dear child. Can you imagine hearing that? Well, you are right now. You are God's dear child. He's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Mike. I haven't really done anything in my life. Oh, like, what you mean is like you've never preached a single sermon or performed a single miracle or called a single disciple? Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, yeah, same with Jesus. At this point in his life. You are his dear child. He is pleased with you. You say, okay, Mike, here's the thing. I didn't want to have to spell it out to you, but I will. Okay, it's not so much what I haven't done. It's more like what I have done. I got some dark patches in my history. Okay, that's the truth. I got some dark patches in my life right now. I believe you. Please don't spell it out. I don't need to hear all the details, but I'm going to take your word for it. And yet he has a message for you. Here it is. You are his dear child. He's so pleased with you. See, maybe you heard me say this before. You can't outrun the love of God. That's true. You can't outsin the cross. That's true. That's true. But maybe I'll explain it in a slightly different way today. In John chapter 8, Jesus said of himself, He said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Think about that for a second. You know what light does to darkness? Light shatters darkness. Darkness doesn't shatter light. I think you need to hear this. Darkness doesn't shatter light. Light shatters darkness. You say, I got some dark patches in my past. I believe you. Light shatters darkness. I got some dark patches in my life right now. I believe you. Light shatters darkness. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into human history, his own dear son, to be the light of the world, yeah, but also to be the light in your world. You can't outdark the light of God. You can't outdark the light. Shatters darkness. You are His dear child. He's so pleased with you. He's so pleased with you. And I guess I just want to stop there for a moment. Not quite done yet. Don't get your hopes up, okay? But I think we need to stop and, and we need to pray. So I'm going to ask you right now, whether you're online or in person, if you can safely bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment of kind of personal reflection. That's that moment, right? That moment, that moment of confession. God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your light to shine into the darkness. I need your power to live the life I was created to live. Well, guess what? Everything that needed to be done for that to be true in your life, Jesus already did through his death and his resurrection. So what's your next step? Your next step is if you've never done it, is to take hold of that and say, Jesus, I accept that free gift. I need you. I need you. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace. I accept your power. So if that's you right now, whether you're online or in person with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you want to do me a favor? Just right now, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you right now. Nice and high if you don't mind. It's amazing. Amazing. Even, the, even some rebels up in the very back row. You guys are great. I love it. Okay, whether you're online or in person, you can put your hands down right now and I just invite you to pray silently along with me as I pray out loud. Jesus, thank you. I come before you right now and I say, I need you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. And thank you that you already secured that for me, so I take hold of it. Thank you for this clean slate, this fresh start. And I need your power. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you, to follow your lead one next step at a time. 
thank you that you are going to be with me to today, tomorrow, and forever. In your name, amen. Let's celebrate that. So we got 26 people that are signed up to get baptized today. Um, but we're going to add to that number, I believe. I believe we're going to add to that number. Because I want to have a heart-to-heart with you. And in some ways, I wish that you and I were across the table, but let's pretend that we were. Let me say this to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for one minute or 50 years, and you have yet to take that step of being baptized as a believer, can we get that done today? It's a really powerful thing to do. It's not about your salvation. Your salvation is secure. If you're following Jesus, you're good to go. I just want you to live a powerful life, you know? It's funny, too, because I remember hearing people say, and I, and I still hear it from time to time, people will say this, oh, be careful after you get baptized. After you get baptized, man, you're going you're gonna to face an attack. My experience is not that at all. Let me tell you my baptism story quickly. I'm 23 years old. I'm 23 years old. That's 32, Curtis. Okay, but I was 23. Anyways, I'm 23 years old. I'm ADD, and uh, I, uh, I've been a Christian for three years. Been married to my wife, Corinne, just over a year. And to be honest with you, our marriage was okay. But it was a struggle. And if I had to be completely truthful, Corinne might have her own reasons. Here's my reason. My anxiety, my anger, and my insecurity. Well, wait a minute, Mike. You, you had been a Christian for three years, and you still struggled with anxiety, insecurity, and anger. Oh, yeah. And to be completely truthful, I'd say I was losing the struggle. And our marriage was a struggle. So we're in church one Sunday, and don't remember anything the pastor says, really, to be truthful. 23 years old. That was like seven years ago. So obviously I don't remember all that stuff, okay? So, um, <clears throat> but one of the things he said was, we got a baptism coming up. And I remember God tapped me on the shoulder and saying, it's time. Believe and be baptized, Mike. So I was like, so sure. I'm like, Yes! In that moment, I was like, yeah, I'm getting baptized. Yes, I am. God like spoke to me. He didn't like audibly speak to me, but right into my heart. I knew it. I was going to get baptized. And that's when I faced the attack in that moment. Because in, in my tiny little Dutch brain, all these reasons started percolating around on why I should not get baptized. Number one, to be honest, I was embarrassed. I was just embarrassed. I didn't necessarily want to get up in front of a bunch of people. And I felt really old at 23. You know, like I'm 23 years old already. Like, should I, you know, I should have probably got baptized last year, the year before, the year before, and all these weird reasons, right? And then sec second reason that I thought I shouldn't get baptized is I, 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 I got anger problems. I got anxiety problems. I got insecurity problems. Like, you can't, you can't get baptized if you have anger, uh, insecurity, and anxiety problems. That's hilarious, right? <laughs> because what's baptism? What is it? It's a confession. And what's that confession? God, I need you. I'm losing. I'm losing. I am not living a powerful life right now. I'm losing against anxiety. I'm losing against anger. I'm losing against insecurity. I need you. 
if we all waited until we have everything figured out, we'd never get baptized. And if we did, well, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. But in my mind, those two reasons for me were huge. I thought a little bit about how I had been baptized as a baby. I had already been baptized as a baby. I thought, well, you can't get baptized again. Of course, that's a little illogical too because my parents got me baptized. And who was that about? That was about them. What an amazing step they took. You know, to get me baptized and to pray, God, bless this kid. Protect this kid. He's probably really, really, really going to need it. But the Bible says what? Believe, 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 and be baptized. My attack, listen, my attack wasn't after I got baptized. It was once I made the decision, I'm going to get baptized. It was all the reasons I shouldn't. So I remember getting in the car. We're driving home, and I want to say it, but I just don't want to say it. And finally, we're like halfway home, and I look over at Corinne. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to get baptized. She says, same here. And there was a turning point. In my life, it was a turning point in our marriage. I'm not going to say instantly, insecurity, anger, and anxiety were no longer a problem for me, but that was a turning point, and things got better, and I started to live a more powerful, powerful, powerful life. See, I don't know. Like, if you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, I don't know what your reason would be, but I implore you today to please take that step. Here's why. Here's why. Listen, here's why. October of 2021, we need followers of Jesus Christ that display his power. You understand that? Like, we need people that are actually walking around saying, yeah, I follow Jesus, I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you this about me, I hope that you're going to see this. I think you're going to see love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. One of the reasons the world, the world is in the trouble that it's in in October of 2021 is just the amount of people who say they follow God and yet choose to live pathetic lives. If you are a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, man, I want you to do so. I would love for you to do so. I know what your reasons might be. It might be, uh, I don't have stuff. You know, I don't have a towel. We have towels. I don't have a change of clothes. We have changes of clothes. I'm not saying they're the trendiest fashions on the market right now, but we got some. You say, well, my, my family can't be here, Mike. I get it. My family wasn't ready when I got baptized. I got baptized in Abbotsford. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on video for you. You can send it to them. You know what your family really, really, really wants to see? Even more than being here for you to get baptized? They want to see you to be the kind of person who says this to God. Because you say so, God, I will. Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. You know what your family really wants to see? They want to see you live a powerful life. They want to see that love, joy, peace, and patience play out in your everyday life. That'll be more than enough for them. So if you're watching online right now, I want you to take a second and I want you to text the keyword DUNK, D-U-N-K, to 604-670-3040. I'd like to get you baptized today if possible. I don't want to delay. Let's go. And if you're here, we're going to, uh, we're going to, baptize, in, we're going to baptize in a few minutes, and I'm going to stand right down there. And if you're here today, and you have yet to, been, to have been baptized as a follower of Jesus, I want you to come walk up to me. I've got a couple questions for you, and then we're going to get you dunked. 
It's going to be awesome. I'll ask you a little bit about your past. If it's a little bit like mine, we'll hold you under just a little bit longer than we normally would, you know? <laughs> Dave Poole is looking at me right now going, do you have to tell that joke every single baptism Sunday? <laughs> I don't plan to, Dave. It just happens. Dave one time stood up here and said, hey, I don't want to have to come down there, pick you up and place you in the tank. I couldn't do that. And then he's like, well, I probably could actually, but it doesn't work that way. I want to celebrate with you today. I'm going to be standing right over there, and I would love to, uh, to see that happen, to, te- to see you take the most powerful step of confession that you can make as a follower of Jesus. And finally, we're going to have to multitask, even the guys. Okay, we're going to have to multitask a little bit now because we're going to sing. The band's going to play. We're going to sing, and we're going to dunk people. And every time we baptize someone, we're going to celebrate together. Okay? And there's two big reasons why. Number one, it's just the family of God thing. Because when we see somebody get brought down into the water and come up and say, God, I need you, we're going to go, weird! Same here! (laughs) I need him too! Like every minute of every moment of my life, I'm I'm there! And we're going to celebrate that. And secondly, we're going to celebrate because we're believing, I'm believing, that it's going to be a turning point for for these men and women. It's going to be a turning point that we're going to see God's power play out in and through their lives in a powerful way. And that, that is worth celebrating. So did I mention I'm going to be down here? Right over here. And I would love to uh, get you baptized today. Why don't you stand as a band, please? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.